Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Y'all, I'm still fat from Thanksgiving. I'm still trying to uh, wake up a little bit. Things got a little out of control over here on my end. I hope I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that I'm not so proud of. I remember when um, the holidays, I really hated the holidays. And the reason was because I really hated myself during those times. And I hated myself because a lot of the struggles that I was going through. And I remember when my wife and I were just living together and we weren't married, we had a roommate and the roommate was this young lady. She was a very cheery person, very outgoing. She's a dear friend today. And I remember her sitting there getting close to Thanksgiving. And she said that she couldn't wait um, to put a Christmas tree up in the house. And for me, a Christmas tree represented everything that people I cared about who that were taken could no longer experience. They could no longer be with their families. And I was, that was at a point in my life where I was going through extreme survivor's guilt. And I felt guilty for even having a birthday. I felt guilty for any holidays. I felt guilty when I would wake up and I felt guilty for even smiling. That's back when I was drinking very heavily and uh, just punishing myself for pretty much being alive. And I remember when she said, how excited she was to put a Christmas tree in the house. I turned to her and I looked her dead in the face and I said, if you put a Christmas tree in this house, I'm going to throw it in the fucking street with all the decorations on it. And she didn't say anything. She just looked at me like, what is wrong with this human being? And my wife just kind of shook her head with my girlfriend at the time. She just shook her head and she didn't know how to handle it either. And I meant it like in my soul, I meant that, If I would have seen a Christmas tree, I guarantee you, I would have came in, I would have snatched it down and thrown it outside. And that is what people don't understand. People don't understand kind of what is going on with a person when they behave that way, when they react that way, when they see something that represents so much joy and so much love. And when you don't have that in your heart to give anybody it's it's a very very horrible place. Well, let's fast forward to this Thanksgiving, um, y'all. I can't get enough people around me, and I'm I'm experiencing exponential growth. I'm extremely proud of, and I never thought I would get to this point, but I'm here and I'm enjoying it and I'm taking advantage of it. And I'm going to try to talk with you today a little bit about what that looks like on a grand scale as far as moving forward. If you're in that horrible place that I once was. Um, 
and how you can get to a little bit better place. And hopefully when you're in that better place, you can kind of take your foot off the gas and you can relax a little bit and enjoy the moments with your family. Um, is there potential for me to relapse? I'm sure there's, there's that, that certainly that potential, but I'm not living my life in fear of that. Uh, I don't live my life in fear anymore. I don't live my life and try to try to not live it in a hypervigilant state to the point where I can't enjoy things in, in moments with my family. We had so many people over here for Thanksgiving at my farm and I couldn't have, have had more fun. I got to, you know, my father and my mother came out a day early and my dad and I, we built a fire up by my pond and we sat in my, um, my chairs by the pond. It was just my dad and I, and it, cause it was cold outside and all the, all the girls, um, and wives were, were in the house and everything. And my dad and I just sat there for probably two to three hours, just talking about life and talking about memories and thinking about, you know, the future. And it was a, a moment with my father that I wasn't really concerned about anything. I wasn't worried about anything. And it was just a very nice moment to be able to sit there and relax with my dad. And I remember looking at him and and I told him, and I said, dad, you know, I remember there was a time in my life where I wished for this. I wished that I could be this whole. And I wished that I could have this, this love and this acceptance in my heart of not just you all, but of myself too. And he just sat there and he said, I know. And, and he told me that he was proud of me. And that, that, that meant a lot. And the next day when people came over to our farm, we had a, we had a skeet shoot set up. We were shooting guns all day. I taught my, my daughters how to shoot skeet. I let them shoot 12 gauge shotgun. Uh, it was a tactical shotgun with a collapsible stock. So that, that thing kicked like a damn, a mule on steroids and their shoulders got busted up, but they got, they got baptized with fire with that. They got to use their, I uh, bought them some new compound bows and they were shooting hay piles all day. And we went out and we shot pistols. We shot nine millimeters. We shot forties. Um, and it was just wonderful to be immersed with family again, because you're listening to a guy who shredded that same family that I talk about both sides of my family. I've shredded that for many, many years. And I was on a, um, a path of self-destruction because I didn't think I deserved all of that. I would make every excuse in my mind to keep family away, both sides of my family. And I realized I cheated myself for a very long time because that is, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. That's probably the, the best time that I've had in many, many years was having people that cared about me around me and me being able to actually loosen up and be myself for a change. And that's the good stuff, man. That's, that's the stuff that really makes life worth living. It's, those fun, wonderful moments. And how do we get there? How do we get there if we are, if we feel like we're light years away from that? If we feel annoyed by every person in our family, if we don't want communication with anybody in our family, if, if we find all the wrong with every family member and all we do is sit around and bitch about them and talk about them and their mere existence is off-putting, how do we get to a place where it doesn't feel like that. And I'm going to tell you where that place is. That place is inside of you. It's learning to love who you are. It's learning 
to not make excuses for everybody else around you, but it's learning to accept who you are and working on that to not become that horrible, putrid, negative person that you're becoming. I'm, I'm heading in this direction with this because over the last few weeks, I've gotten several different emails where men and women alike reached out to me and they told me that they feel stuck and they feel stuck in their career and their careers were in public service. Every single one of them is probably I don't know, seven or eight different emails, if not more than that. And they told me they don't want to do it anymore. They feel the, the lasting effects from it. <clears throat> they realize that it's damaging them, but almost every single one of them were in fear of the real world that's out there. They were in fear of becoming something else and not being the police officer, the firefighter, the paramedic, the nurse, you know, that mindset, this is all I know. Um, so it's like the devil, you know, kind of mindset. I've always liked that saying the devil, you know, and uh, if you've never heard that, it goes something like this. The devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't because at least the devil, you know, you understand the way that that devil ticks and you'd rather be unhappy in a situation because you know what that situation brings and you know how to handle that day in, day out versus potentially dealing with another devil that you don't know. But that other devil could be happiness. That could actually be an angel in disguise. And uh, I, it breaks my heart that so many people stay in something that they're just unhappy with because I'm telling you right now, I'm a guy who has experienced that. I'm a guy who's who has been utterly miserable in life and I've went out and created my own happiness. Hence, that's why the name of my book is called Create Your Own Light. The name of this podcast is called Create Your Own Light. Shameless plug there, but it just it just felt right because this is there's no truer statement. It's up to you to create the life that you want. And you know, I was on the phone with a friend of mine yesterday, and he was telling me he has 18 years left in the fire service, and I, and it blew my mind because he's already been in there a little while. But I know he's unhappy and I know he wants out of that. And I know he wants to concentrate all of his efforts in his business. And this is what I told him. I said, friend, I want you to look at this like this. If you part-time anything, you're going to get part-time results. Meaning if you give your business part-time attention, you're only going to get part-time results. So if you're giving the fire department half your attention and your business half your attention, your business is not going to thrive. But if you give your business 100% of your attention and you feel like your fire department has run its course and now you're just hanging on and clinging there, hoping for benefits at the end of the show, you're going to hang on for 18 more years and your business is just going to be mediocre for 18 more years. Is that what you want? And he told me, no, he said, I want my business to thrive, but I'm scared to leave the fire service. I'm scared because it's all I know. And I'm scared because of the benefits. And I put it like this, man, I've, when I quit and I walked away from stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy was a lot of fun. Those of you that are just kind of catching it, just, just joining in the stand-up comedy life was a part of my life. It was a big part of my life. I did it full-time professionally for 14 years and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I hit a fork in the road back in 2016. When I started opening up and talking about mental health, I became very passionate about what I was speaking about. I saw the difference that mental health was making. Sure, telling dick jokes was fun on stage and getting laughs from people was really fun. But when I started opening up and talking about the things that I speak about all over the country now, something clicked. And I stepped back 
And the more that I would go out and perform in comedy, the more that I knew I was taking my attention off of something that I really wanted to do and I was really passionate about because I was staying with the devil that I knew. Comedy had ran its course. I was burnt out, but it's what I knew and I was really good at it. So I thought, okay, and so did some other people. And I'll be honest with you. I was afraid to open up and really go after speaking about mental health in a industry that it, it is not okay to speak about that. Back then it wasn't. Now it's more acceptable. But I took that leap of faith because I believed in myself. I knew that if I put all of my focus on something that I was passionate about, the payoff wouldn't be financially. The payoff would be in, in internally. The payoff would be utter fulfillment and 100% purpose-driven. So that's what I did. I decided to say no more stand-up comedy. Something I did for 14 years I was really good at, and my calendar was completely full, and I canceled it all. And I started speaking more, and I'm and it couldn't have been a better decision. Sure, it was hard making the transition. Sure, there were nights where I didn't know how I was going to pay bills. Sure, that happened. But that happens with any change in your life. But at the end of this life, do you want to look back and do you want to say, what if? What if I would have made that leap of faith? What if I would have taken a chance on myself? What could I have really done? Or do you want to be that person that takes a chance? And then at the end of your life, you're going to have all of the answers and you're going to be proud of yourself. Part-time effort yields part-time results. Full-time effort yields full-time results. I don't encourage anybody just up and quit the emergency services. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying if you've reached that point in your life where you feel that you have nothing left to give it, then, then there's time for a change. You've let, you're letting a career define you if you don't walk away from that. You're letting a career strip you of potential enjoyment and fulfillment. You're letting that career strip your family of experience and a new life as well. I had another conversation with an individual who told me, He's losing his whole family, his children and his wife. They're leaving because he's a miserable fuck. This is a police officer that I know. And he told me he's letting them go so he can keep his job. He said, I'm letting them go so I can keep doing the only thing I know how to do. And the only way that I know how to provide for them. And that astonished me. I know the fear that that man is, is facing. I know the fear of potentially losing your family. And I know the fear of potentially losing the only thing you know how to do. But when the only thing that you know how to do is ruining your family, the first order of business in this life is to protect your family. And if that means to protect it from a career that's fucking destroying them, then that's what you do. You protect them from everything, not just some things. You protect them from everything. That's your primary obligation. And sometimes that means walking away from a career that you do love. That means walking away from something that you are good at. They do not deserve to suffer because you're good at something. You can become good at other things. You can become great at many things. Don't put yourself in a box to where you're only good at one fucking thing. And never accept that 
it's okay for your career to destroy your family. That is never okay under any circumstances. It's time to redefine yourself if that's the case. And it's time to redefine your capabilities. And it's time to get out there and do some soul searching. And put in some hard work. And become something bigger and better than you've ever been. And bring your family along for that ride too. And I promise you at the end it'll be worth it. But don't ever let them walk away because you refuse to give up something that's hurting them. You know, I haven't been a police officer in a very long time. I haven't been a firefighter in a very long time. I haven't been a Marine in a very long time. And you know, for a long time, I wasn't even a good family man, husband, or father. But you know what? I had those experiences. I had the experiences of the good times. And I have those memories of what it was like doing all of those things. And I'm glad I'm no longer doing those things. Because as a man, as a father, as a husband, I have grown into something that I've learned how to love. And I realized all of those things were a part of me, but they didn't make me. They helped me grow. They gave me experiences in life. And those were tools for me that I could use later in life to learn about people, to learn about dangerous situations and how I can function and operate in dangerous, dangerous situations and still keep my cool versus panic and to learn the inner workings of human beings to a certain extent. These were all wonderful things that helped me grow into the man that I am. Do not be afraid of letting that stuff go. Do not be afraid of always having to be that person. Because I'm going to tell you this. You can be a police officer, firefighter, paramedic, fucking doctor, whatever you want to be, be it. Do the best you can while you're doing it. But at some point in your life, it's going to go away anyway. I want you to think about that. Some of these career paths force you out at a certain age limit. And if you're already willing to go and you want to walk, but you're waiting to get to that age limit so you can get some bullshit pension and it's destroying your family, you are a fucking asshole. And that is on you. And you are choosing a career that is destroying your family and you're letting that happen. And that is 100% unacceptable. I don't give a shit what kind of pension is sitting there waiting for you. If you spent the next 15 years in something miserable where you're lashing out at your family and making them pay for it. That's 15 years of shit you're willing to put them through. So you can make a couple thousand dollars for doing nothing every day and waking up every day and having a couple thousand dollars in your bank account. You can go out and suck dick for money. All jokes aside, you can show your feet on the internet now for money. You can make money. You can't rebuild that family sometimes. I know that's hard to hear. And I know some of you are so close to the finish line that it's unimaginable for you to think about walking away from something that's a guaranteed paycheck. I get it. But you need to figure out if you're unwilling to walk away, then you got to figure out how to keep your family close to you. And you got to be willing to at least change 
whatever it is you've become. And you got to be willing to put in the work to keep them. Because at the end of this life, they are all that we have. They're all that we have. I was at my daughter's basketball game yesterday, her elementary school basketball game, and they were out there balling. I'm not even going to lie. Fourth and fifth grader girls getting after it. And I was sitting on the bleacher. And when my daughter was out there doing what she does, I was thinking to myself, I almost lost this. I was so close to losing these moments. It's not even funny. And I was willing to lose it because I was willing to work on myself. How ridiculous is that? But I decided to put the work in. I decided to, to address many, many of my shortcomings, which I'm still far from achieving where I, what I want to be, how, where I want to be, but I'm much in a much better place. I would have been an old man on a farm alone with no family during Thanksgiving. We talk about we hate people. No, we don't. We hate ourselves because we don't know how to function in a group of people. And we don't know how to communicate with people because something has happened to us. That's not their problem. That's a us problem. And that only gets corrected by addressing it. I'm not going to sit here and brag on myself. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I do want to show you that there's hope. I'm telling you, I was one of the most beat down, broken individuals I've ever known in my life. And now I am the complete opposite of who I used to be from work, from time and from support and help from the people that love me and allowing them to help me. We went to my niece's wedding this weekend. Okay. I did several things that I haven't done in a long time. I had an amazing time. I danced. I got in the middle of the dance floor. I let loose. I didn't worry about emergencies. And guess what? An emergency happened. I'm not going to get into the specifics of this. But somebody went down in the bathroom with, with heart attack-like symptoms. I happened to be in there. And we got the situation fixed under control when other people were starting to start panicking a little bit. It was like back at work and we got that situation taken care of and that person's doing great. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. Went back out there and I didn't let it affect me. I went back out. Initially it started fucking with my head a little bit because it reminded me of a few things. But then I was like, you know what? I have PTSD. It doesn't have me. It no longer gets to control my life. And that's how I live my life. And I had an amazing time with my wife, my children, my mother, my father, my cousins, my nieces, my sister, my brother-in-law, his family. But the big part is this that I want to tell you. Hang on. We had a rehearsal dinner the night before. And I practice what I preach. When I put out these videos on social media showing me sitting in a restaurant with my back to the door, that's not just for the camera and then I go back watching a fucking door. That's real. I do this and I work on this all of the time because I refuse to live my life in fear. That doesn't mean I'm unaware. That doesn't mean I don't know what's going on around me and I'm not listening. 
That doesn't mean I'm not watching other people. It simply means I'm not going to let fear control my, the enjoyment of my life anymore. I'm not going to do it. I don't walk around with a gun in my pants everywhere anymore. Back in the day when I hated the world and I hated myself and I was afraid of everything. Yeah, I had a weapon on me at all times. I don't do that anymore. And I get people that are always like, man, you're fucking crazy. You, you, you need to have a gun. Well, you go live your life in fear. I don't want to do that. That's me. And if I get smoked out there, I get smoked. But I'm a pretty aware guy. And I'm always watching. I'm always listening. We went to dinner the other night. We had this huge wedding party. And guess where my seat was? They had assigned seats at these tables. Mine was facing the door. Okay. It just happened to be like that. It happened to work out that way. I switched with my father and I said, I want to sit at this end. And he didn't say anything. He just kind of looked at me and I sat with my back to the door and I watched my father and my mother, my two girls and my wife is the table that I sat at. And guess what happened? Nothing. We had an amazing meal. We had an amazing dinner and I got up and mingled with a lot of people. I wasn't doing this on purpose. I wasn't doing this to make a point. I just did it. I was in the moment. I was just talking with people. I got up from my table. I was making rounds, et cetera, et cetera. Later on that night when we got home, my dad said, I saw something in you. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Travis, he goes, you were actually engaging with all these people that were there. Some of them you didn't even know. And he goes, that's not you. And I go, no, dad, it is me. I said, it wasn't me for a long time, but this is who I am now. I've grown away from the man that I used to be. The person that hated people, the person that was annoyed to be in every single setting. I've grown away from that because I've worked on that. I could have certainly reclused into that, but I refused to do it because I watched what was, what was taking place with the people I cared about. I was hurting them. I was hurting their ability to socialize with people. I was doing that to them. How is that fair to them? Because of what I've been through. It's not, man. I don't want to turn my children into a fucking asshole like me. I don't want to turn my children into hating the world like me. I don't want to turn my children into paranoid person that thinks everybody's out to get you like I was becoming. I don't want to do that to them. So I got to lead by example. And it's hard. It's very hard. My dad said, I couldn't believe you sat there with your back to the door. And I said, why not? Why couldn't you believe that? And he said, because you don't do that. And I said, that's the old me. I said, I'm not living my life that way anymore. I don't know how much life I have left, but I don't want to live it scared. I wasted probably 15 years of my life living that way, if not more than that. Living on the tactical edge all the time. Being mad at people that I had no business being mad at. Being upset with people I didn't even know because they thought differently than I thought. I don't want to do that anymore. That was a learned behavior. And you can unlearn things too and you can learn new behaviors. I hear that old ignorance shit all the time. This is me and I love who I am, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you do, if you genuinely love yourself, that's wonderful. But I know a lot of us, we tell ourselves that lie. Just to make our behavior acceptable. And it's only acceptable to us. I did something else uncomfortable. I sat out here on, by my pond one day and I was sitting there. And I said, I need to make some calls. 
I need to call some people that I, I haven't talked to. And I said, let me go through my phone and see who I haven't called in a while. Because I had that mindset, well, nobody calls me. Well, what do I do? I don't call anybody either. Phone works both ways. And the first person I called was one of my old captains. And he's the captain I had at the fire department when I left. When I left under horrible circumstances because I wasn't taking care of myself. And I have not talked to this man in 14 years. Well, almost 14 years. So I figured it was time. And I called him and we picked up right where we left off. We ended up telling each other how much we loved each other and cared about one another. We ended up discussing lunch plans. We talked about his new grandchildren, his children getting married. We laughed about horrible shit that we used to see. We went right back into those dark places, but that's who we were. And we stayed on the phone for an hour. And it made me smile so much when I hung up the phone. Because I thought he didn't give a shit about me anymore. So why do I need to call him? But that wasn't it at all. He's living his own life. I'm living my own life. And time happens. I made up stuff in my head about why we, why we haven't talked in so long. And I just accepted that. And that made me feel so good that I called another one. And I talked with this guy for 30 minutes. And then I called another one. Another captain I had. And we talked. And then he invited me to a cookout. And these are all people that I used to be very close to. And we just ended up drifting apart over the years. Because guess what happened? I started reclusing. And they started reclusing and none of us were working on getting better. So what we did over time is we just kind of accepted who we become. And, and, and we all talked about that. We all became shells of who we used to be and we reclused and we don't talk to anybody anymore. That's what you're looking at when you, when you want to retire. These were all retired. These were four retired people talking. A fifth one that I called. From the Marine Corps. Same thing. And the one thing we all have in common is that we have no friends. But we do have friends. We just have to bridge that gap and we have to make the uncomfortable phone call. And it's hard to do, but I'm glad I did it. I made five calls that day. And I had a note in my phone to talk about. Take a day to yourself and don't do shit. Don't look for any answers. Don't look to be the most productive human being on the planet. Just take a day and unplug. And go sit somewhere. And call some people that you used to love. And you used to care about. Because I promise you, you still love and care about those people. They probably become distant in your life because you allowed it to become distant. I did that. I allowed that. They allowed it. But I'm not putting that on them. I'm putting that on me. And I'm going to bridge that gap. I'm going to make the effort to maintain those relationships and bring them back around because that's one thing I realized that I've done over the years is I ran, I ran so far away from everybody and everything that when I stopped running, I turned around and there was no one there because no one was running with me. Everybody was running in their own separate direction. There I found my note and it's called 
Waste a day. That's all I put. Go waste a day. Waste the whole fucking day. But make some phone calls. Not text messages. Phone calls. Talk to people. Hear what they have to say. Apologize to people. Make an effort to make plans to see those people. You would be amazed at how that will make your soul feel at the end of those calls. It, it's almost addicting. It, make, it made me want to call every single person in my phone. No matter what the reason was that we fell out, I'm sorry. I'll take all the blame. I'm sorry. Because friendship to me and having relationships is more than being alone. It's better than being alone and it's better than holding grudges and it's better than being angry and hating human beings. This next little piece is for you spouses out there that don't understand if you're married or you're dating someone that has, um, you know, symptoms of post-traumatic stress or they're going through, you know, behavioral issues, mental health crisis, whatever. I'm going to explain this kind of the best way that I can in layman's terms, because really that's all I know is layman's terms. I don't know really anything very um, academic, to be honest with you. (laughs) But I want to talk about PTSD and finances. I'm getting ready to release a reel here next week about that. It's just a quick short reel where me, where I talk and then my wife talks a little bit. Um, but the whole concept is this. I know it's hard to understand when you have a spouse who, who has been through a mental health crisis. It's hard to understand the way that they'll spend money sometimes. I'm not saying everybody is like this, but I know there's a, a big number of us that do this. We'll go out and we'll spend money on things that we really don't need. And we'll do that. The whole time when our family needs things, like when our family, like we'll, we'll, we'll say we don't have money for like groceries. We'll say we don't have money for a new car payment. We'll say we don't have money for the mortgage. We'll say we we don't have money to go out and have dinner. We don't have money to go have experiences as a family. But then all of a sudden mommy or daddy, whoever's in the mental health crisis has money to go buy things for themselves. They have money to go uh, on a hunting trip by themselves. They have money to go buy a new, um, a new gun, a new, um, compound bow, a new truck, a new car, a new, this, a new toy here, a new there. Um, and so that leaves the spouse of, of that person kind of sitting back with that. What the fuck is going on mindset? And then it causes financial problems and financial stress. And then it causes other arguments. And then it causes the person that's having the mental health crisis or whoever's in the mental health crisis to justify who they are, why they are and what they need and why it's okay for them to go out and do these things. And here's the, here's, here's the issue behind that. What we, when we, who the person who's suffering from a mental health crisis or or going through post-traumatic stress, whatever, What it is, is this, we're so empty inside that the only thing that makes us feel good are new shiny things, right? A new challenge, something go out. Hey, this is for me because I've done without for so long that I need this for me. And you don't realize everybody else is doing without too. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to buy happiness and it works for a little while. And it too is addicting because when you're so empty inside and there's nothing that makes you feel good, you'll do anything for that surge of something that makes you feel good. It's almost like a drug. I got there. 
I experienced that. I remember when I would buy shit that I had no business buying. But I needed it because at the time, that purchase gave me a jolt of adrenaline and it made me feel good. And so when I showed up with a $5,000 wildlife camera and I've never taken one picture in my life and my wife's sitting there looking at me like, cause we can barely make the daycare bill. And she's like, what in the fuck is that? And I'm like, this is my new hobby. And then I'm going out in the woods every day while she's out working, picking up the kids from daycare, running them in different places while she's going to school. And I'm out in the woods trying to take pictures of alligators and bald eagles and shit. She didn't understand because I never communicated that with her. I never tried to help her understand. All I said is, it's my money. I do what the fuck I want with it. That's the mindset I had. To the woman that was giving everything to me that she had to give, I took advantage of that. And I did that because I was too afraid to be vulnerable. I was too afraid to talk to her, to let her know, like, hey, look, I need something. This makes me feel something. And we together as a couple could have worked on that, but I didn't do that. So she went without for a very, very long time. And she watched as I went and I bought a mountain bike, a $3,000 mountain bike. Guess how many mountains there are in the East coast of South Carolina? There ain't fucking one. There's not one mountain. There's not even a hill. There's nothing. It's just flat and pine trees. That's what we have. And here I got a $3,000 mountain bike. Don't, don't even get me started on, on, on the motorcycle I bought. The $25,000 Harley Davidson I bought. And I had that for three months. Don't get me started on the big ass truck I showed up with one time. Big shiny new truck. 35 inch tires when I was in my mid 30s. Because that was what guys in their mid 30s do. So I had to go do it too. Don't think this farm where I'm sitting recording this episode ain't part of that either. But this farm did something different. This farm contributed to our whole family. And everybody gets to benefit from it. I benefit the most, but in essence, it saved my damn life. But that's what I'm getting at. I got to a point where my family would do without. And we couldn't go do things because I needed something. To feel whole instead of doing the right thing, which was finding a way to love myself, not buy things to please myself. And that's the point I've arrived at today, that that loving part. And I'm learning how to wrap my arms around myself again versus going out and spending money on a bunch of dumb shit you don't need. Okay. So I hope that makes sense to some of you spouses that listen to this podcast. And I hope that hopefully it can start a conversation between you and the other one who's, who's going through this and you can come together and find a way to like, listen, these are temporary purchases that are hurting the whole family goes back to staying in a career that is hurting your family. These temporary purchases can have the same impact on your family. You know, when I'm teaching post-traumatic purpose, I teach one part in there is called selfishness and learn the art of being selfish towards yourself, but not selfish in a way where it's hurting everybody else. You have to be selfish with your time. And what I mean by that is you can't constantly give your time to everybody else when you're in an injured state. You got to be the best version of you. And then you can start giving more of your time to people. 
but you have to learn how to put yourself first. And that doesn't mean with major purchases. That means with your health. Listen, y'all, before I go, this, this is getting really exciting. This is an exciting time for me with post-traumatic purpose because I'm going to tell you why. When I first started, I just put out a reel the other day that kind of showed this. When I first started, I took an idea that I had and I did it for 12 firefighters at a volunteer fire company near my farm, okay? And I went and I taught my first class ever to 12 people. And from there, it started, you know, doing doing a couple here, doing a couple there, speaking at a couple keynote conferences. But then it got to a point where it started blowing up, all right? Fast forward years later, and this is where we are. We're in 2024. 2024 is completely booked. 2025 is completely booked. We are selling out events. And when I say selling out, I mean free registrations for first responders. Now, some events are paid. Some are not. That, that, that has nothing to do with me. And this is how it works, full transparency. Some agencies that bring me in, they choose to charge and that way they can recoup some of the funds that they um, that they use to make the event happen because they're paying all these different fees. They're paying uh, marketing. They're paying advertising. They're paying for venues, et cetera. And so they, they choose to recoup some of that. And that's absolutely 100% fair. Okay. So I don't have any problems with that. Some agencies say, nope, we got a grant. We paid for this whole thing with a grant and we're good. We just want to open the doors. But when I started in 2016, I had someone tell me to my face, Travis, you'll never get them to listen, them being first responders. You'll never get them to listen to anything you have to say about mental health. And I want you to listen to what I just told you. 2024 is booked. 2025 is booked. I can go down my 2024 schedule. There's dates out the ass on there. I want you to listen to this one I'm about to tell you about in Shreveport, Louisiana, January the 16th. Pay attention to this, okay? We just had our 1,174th registration. Listen to that again. 1,174 people are registered in Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana, January 16th. The limit was 1,200. We just opened up 50 more seats. And I promise you, by the time you hear this, by the end of the day, we will have reached 1,200. And we might have to add another 50 seats and open it up to 1,300 people. That's how many people are now registering for these events. And that's because of you all. You all that support this. You, have all, that, you all that share these messages. You all that go on here and share these podcasts. You all that, that, that grab my book, a copy of my book, and you tell other people about it. Because there's so many of us going through this. And we all at one point thought it was just us. How crazy is that? In May... Of 2024, I'm in Abington, Massachusetts. They opened that event to 350 people. In two days, listen to what I'm about to tell you. In two days, it sold out. They just, let me pull the text message up. They just went ahead and added 250 more seats to that. They added 250 more seats and we just passed 500 on that. I want you to think about that. So within a week, (laughs) we have over 500 registered for that event and that's not until May. 
big things are happening, man. We got um, Los Angeles. We just locked a date in Los Angeles, California, July of uh, July 27th next year. And that's going to be probably the biggest mental health event the world has ever seen. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that to, to make it sound fancy. I'm telling you that because it's real. I'm telling you that because I know what's going on behind the scenes. And I know the people that I'm talking to about this stuff. And those people have deep, deep roots with a lot of people that are on board to make this a huge event. So July 27th, Los Angeles. I don't know when that registration is going to be available. If you see a private link on my website, please do not message me and ask how private it is. Okay. Somebody the other day said, Hey, I saw that this is a private event, but how private is it? Fucking private means private. How private are your private parts? Are they 25% private or hundred percent private? I would think hundred percent private, private events mean private events. Listen, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't like doing it like that. That's not my call. But when I do a private event, the agency that I'm doing it for requests it to be private and that's it. They only want their people in there for whatever reasons. So that's how we do it. But majority of my events are not private. So you can go on there. We got Miami, Florida just opened up. The registration's not out. That's going to be a banger too. I mean, every single one of these are going to be a banger. Chico, California, Raleigh, North Carolina, Gerald, Texas, Reams, Pennsylvania, Las Vegas, baby. Come on out to Las Vegas. We got the, um, how about this? The Philadelphia one that we're doing, we went ahead and changed that to private because it's sold out. So, I mean, I can't, East Lake, Ohio, State College, Pennsylvania, go down my, go to my website, Columbus, Ohio. I'm at the Phoenix Project in Columbus, Ohio. Get your tickets for that. I'm doing a keynote for that, and we're going to blow the roof off that motherfucker. Y'all come out to that one. Um, Valparaiso, Indiana. Valparaiso sold out last year in a week. 250 people. Valparaiso, I'm doing it again this year at the MAC. That's a training facility for emergency service responders in, in, in Indiana. That's in March. So I can't thank y'all enough for being a part of this. Uh, let me let me hang on. Let me cross over to this 2025 dates while we're still talking. I'm gonna run down them: Austin, Texas; Palm Beach Gardens, Florida; Emporia, Kansas; Bloomfield Township, Michigan; Lexington, Kentucky; Louisville, Kentucky; Kentucky; Jackson, Michigan; Montgomery County, Indiana; Florence, Alabama; Erie, Pennsylvania. Listen to me: something big is happening, and I'm just one guy behind a microphone and one guy that speaks. But this shit has never been done, and it will never be duplicated. What we're doing is a mental health movement. I don't know where it goes from here. It is turning into the fucking rock concert for mental health without all the headbanging going on. But that's literally what's happening. If you want to come to one of my events, you don't have to be an emergency responder. That just happens to be the core demographic of who I connect with. Trauma is trauma. It's not exclusive to us. If you want to register, if you listen to this podcast and you have a family member who he works at Napa Auto Parts and they want to come, fucking sign up. Let's go. I'm all about helping people. I found my purpose. I just want people to understand it does get better. It can get better, but it starts with you. And nobody's going to come put the work in for you. Y'all go to my website and register for any event. Please come up. And let's shake hands for a, for a brief moment after the event. 
that's my favorite thing is getting to be able to shake the hands of the people that made this possible for me. And that's each and every one of y'all. And I love y'all so much. Thank you so much. Be safe out there.